0: This is the ShakeOut Podcast. I'm Kate Van Buskirk, the host and producer of the show. Today, the Canadian running community lost a formidable member. Sylvia Ruger, who was the first woman to represent Canada in the marathon at the Olympics and held the national record in that distance for 28 years, died today at the age of 58 after a long battle with cancer. Sylvia was a pioneer for women's running. She broke down gender stereotypes, pushed boundaries, and dared others to do the same. In many ways, Sylvia can be credited with the unprecedented success that Canadian female distance runners have enjoyed over the last several years. She established a legacy in this sport that will endure well beyond her untimely death. In addition to her prowess on the race course, Sylvia was a champion for at-risk youth and spent the last several years as the National Director for Start to Finish, a program designed to help kids stay active and in school by combining reading and running initiatives. I had the pleasure of knowing Sylvia through our mutual former coach, Hugh Cameron. Every time I was around Sylvia, I knew that I was in the presence of greatness, not because she was showy or the center of attention, but because she wasn't these things. Despite her accomplishments and her profound relevance, she was a humble and thoughtful soul who cared genuinely for the community in which she was so deeply enmeshed. Today, we're rebroadcasting an episode from 2017 featuring an interview between former ShakeOut host Joan Chung and the late, great Sylvia Ruger.
1: On this week's episode of The ShakeOut, we return to a story of one of the toughest athletes in Canadian running history. Sylvia Ruger represented Canada at the very first women's marathon at the 1984 Olympic Games in Los Angeles, at a time when women's distance running was just starting to be accepted on the world stage. That race in Los Angeles represented a struggle, not only of the obstacles faced by women in sport, but for Ruger, it was also simply the story of racing a marathon and all of the difficulties that any runner must overcome to conquer the 42 kilometers.
2: The 50 call to their marks. And there you go. First ever... Olympic Women's Marathon.
1: On August 5th, 1984, 50 women lined up in Santa Monica to start the 42.2-kilometer run to the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. This marked an incredibly important day in women's running and in Olympic history. It was the first time that the women's marathon would be run at the Olympic Games. Among the 50 women running was a young Canadian. Sylvia Ruger was 23 years old when she ran among an international field on the world stage at the 1984 Summer Games, but her dream to represent Canada at the Olympics began years before as a teenager in a quiet small town in Ontario. On September 11, 1976, in an old farmhouse in Newtonville, Ontario, 15-year-old Ruger sat in her bedroom writing a note. It read, I will represent Canada at the Olympic Games. She then took the note and tucked it underneath the floorboards where no one else could see it. On this week's episode of The ShakeOut, we look at how one of the greatest moments in Canadian running history started with a handwritten note hidden underneath the floor of an old farmhouse.
3: In 1976, I was doing a little bit of running, not a lot. I grew up on a farm. We used to have to run a lot, just, you know, chase the cows out, bring them home.
1: Sylvia Ruger grew up in Newtonville, Ontario, and in 1976 was just beginning to run. And I just
3: loved the freedom of running. And then I was starting to do a little bit of it at school. And so when I was watching the Olympics, I was just really fascinated with all the athletes of all the sports, because I think what I saw was, I saw dedication, I saw perseverance, I saw passion, I saw courage, and so those things really spoke to me.
2: In Montreal's main stadium, that other Scandinavian, Lassie Viren, hasn't quite finished with the medal. The 5,000 metres and the Flying fin has a good chance of a double. Quacks, New Zealand is handily placed, so is Hildebrand of West Germany, Ian Stewart and Brendan Foster of Britain, and Dixon, another New Zealander, of Viren's Danger Men. Into the straight for the last time, Viren of Finland has made his move. He's done it. Lassie Vieren scores double in the 10 and 5,000 meters. The girls set off in the 100 meters hurdles. Everybody knows that East German will be in the first three.
1: Inspired by what she saw at the 1976 Olympic Games in Montreal, Ruger made a promise to herself that she would one day represent Canada in the Olympics.
3: I felt I needed to make that uh, more of a tangible commitment to myself. I didn't want to share it with anyone because I think there was a bit of fear there that, you know, sometimes when we have these really audacious goals, there may be people who think that they're too audacious. And I was afraid that if I shared it with anyone, they'd say, like, wow, that's crazy, Sylvie. How are you ever going to do that? Because I didn't know how I was going to do it either. So I I went up into my room after the games were over and I found a little piece of full scap in my room and I put the date on it it was September 11th 1976 and I wrote on it I will represent Canada at the 1980 Olympic Games in Moscow that was what I thought I thought if I work really hard maybe in four years I can be there and I put win a medal for Canada and then I I signed it And I didn't want to
1: share that with anyone,
3: but I thought, so what am I going to do with this note that I know it's here? And I grew up in a farmhouse that was quite old, and I had really old floorboards in my bedroom. And I found a space between two of the floorboards, so I put the note in the floor. You could still see it. I thought, this is not good. You can see this white fold's gap. So I got masking tape, and I put it over top of the note, and I colored the masking tape gray, the same color as my floor. And then I had a little carpet, woven carpet that I'd over top of
1: it. At the time that Ruger had written the note, the only distance events for women at the Olympic Games were the 800 meter and the 1500 meter. And as the 1980 Olympic Games approached, and she realized that she was not ready, her sights were set on the following games that would be held in Los Angeles in 1984. When she began training more seriously at the University of Guelph, she became injured and was unable to run for over two and a half years. During
3: university, I went to the University of Guelph and I encountered some injury problems and was out of running for two and a half years. And there were times during those two and a half years when I really thought, wow, maybe that Olympic dream is is actually going to happen because I was totally unable to run because of the injury. But the passion to see that dream realized was so great that I trained anyway, I couldn't run, but I ran in the water. I did running in the water, I rode the stationary bike. And it was interesting because when I came out on the other side of those injuries in 1983, two and a half years after experiencing the first part of that injury, it was then that I I heard that they had now added a 3,000 and a marathon in the next Olympic Games.
1: For Ruger, the transition to marathon training made sense. With her time away from the track, her instincts for track racing were lost. But because of the intense cross training during her injury, she had maintained a high level of fitness and saw that the marathon could be her ticket to the Olympic Games. She reached out to Hugh Cameron, a local marathon coach, to see if he would help her realize her Olympic dream and to make it happen in just four months.
3: And I reached out to him and and told him what my dream to try and make the Olympic team in the marathon in four months time and I'm just amazed by Hugh's response because he could have said Sylvia that's four months away why don't we try a four year plan rather than a four month plan but he said you know it's going to be a challenge but I really believe that we can do it and there's a quote that I love that says and I think of this often when I think of Hugh's response it says treat woman as she is and she will stay as she is treat her as she can and could be and she will become as she can and could be and I think wow you know like I didn't even know if I could be a marathoner but he saw strength he saw talent that he believed we could channel towards making the Olympic team and that's exactly what happened.
1: On May 13th 1984 at the Canadian Olympic qualifying marathon in Ottawa Ruger won the race in a time of 2.30.37 in her very first attempt at the distance. This victory and her finishing time marked the realization of her childhood dream, that she would represent Canada at the Olympic Games in Los Angeles later that year.
2: Into the Los Angeles Coliseum. They should get to the Coliseum sometime around 10.30 this morning. There are other track events that are taking place in the Coliseum, so there figures to be a pretty good sized crowd waiting for them as they work their way into the side of the opening.
1: In 1984, 50 women lined up for the very first women's marathon at the Olympic Games. Ruger describes the moments leading up to the race as being full of anticipation and mystery.
3: There was a lot of publicity leading up to it. There was a lot of anticipation. There was a lot of kind of mystery in a sense, because this was gonna be a world stage. We were doing something, and I think sometimes we were coloring outside the lines because there were many people who didn't believe at the time that women should be running those distances, you know, even the medical community. There was a lot of unknown. And there were a lot of people who didn't think that, that that was possible for women or even widely encouraged. And so I think going into the Olympic Games, that was very much kind of the atmosphere. There was still a lot of What's it going to look like? Will they be be to finish? Is this possible? And that was the, the feeling even on the morning of like August 5th, 1984. So it was a really beautiful combination of this expectation this anticipation this joy of an opportunity being here for women that had never been available before an incredible wall had come down or door had opened and yet at the same time it's the olympic games and so the preparation that's gone into that the years of training the sacrifice knowing you're going to be in this crucible of intensity running with the dust in the world. So that's what I remember about the atmosphere at the track that day.
1: Going into the race, Ruger and her coach Cameron had expectations for a top 10 finish. The plan was to try to stay with the lead group for as long as possible and not to get separated.
3: So the pace did start off fast and early on Joan Benoit did break away from the pack. She went out very quickly and separated herself from the pack. And now, you know, in hindsight, it was a really wise strategy on her part because she got out of the fray of running in a pack, the elbows, the interference, the the bumping, the jostling but she also got out early when it, the heat wasn't at its greatest.
2: Hey, right. 5.15, one of her fastest miles for Joan Benoit turned in on mile 17. More. She is not giving much hope to the pack in the back if they have the clarity of mind to figure it out they've got to make up about 18 seconds per mile for the next six miles or so to catch joni benoit however she just joni just threw in a 5 15 mile picked up the pace ran one of the fastest of the race so far so she is giving them no hope at this point
3: for me i had a wake-up call at about the 10k mark it was at a water station and i think because they had communicated to us the importance of hydration, that dehydration was going to be a factor because of the heat. I was running behind a girl from Finland and she dropped the sponge. They had sponge stations where you would grab a sponge, squeeze the water, cool yourself off. And she missed the sponge that the volunteer was handing. And I guess she was thinking, need to cool down. And she stopped, dead stopped to pick up the sponge that she dropped and I was behind her and I crashed into her and and I went down and for a minute it was like, wow, but it was a wake up call for me because it was like, Sylvia, nobody's looking out for you here in this race. You've got to be so vigilant and, you know, grit and resiliency to survive in this pack, because everybody here, this is the Olympic Games,
2: right? Rosa Moda seems to be the one most likely to be the silver medalist at this point. I say that because three or four times now she has tried to break away from the pack. They have reeled her back in, Laura Fogley is second in the blue there, and Greta Weitz, they reel her back in, but one of these times she may get away. Ingrid Christensen is is now fifth in the race, fourth in that pack, and Bruger the Rise, as as the good race from the Canadian is starting to drop
3: back. Maybe mile 21, 22, the pack was even smaller. It was Rosa Mode, Ingrid Christensen, Greta Weitz, myself. And all of a sudden, I think Rosa, Ingrid, and Greta re- realized Joan's not coming back. You know, I think all along, this smaller pack believed that Maybe Joan would come back. Had she gone out too fast? Was she going to come back? And these other women were metal hopefuls, you know? And so they began to pick up the pace. And I was running at my max. I was literally running at my capacity. I could not go any faster. Well, a lot of this is gonna start happening now. You can see the body types changing. Look at Sylvia Ruger. Now she has dropped her whole chest down into her hips. The other women are still up, body forward. They're fine. Of course, Joni is the classic of, of looking in great shape. We saw earlier, Julie Brown, who just sunk way down into herself. That's the first sign of real fatigue. When I mean, you're struggling against yourself. It doesn't help also that They've been running on this concrete because that is no resilience whatsoever. And suddenly these women began to pick up the pace, the, that smaller group of women. And I was left at that mile 22, mile 23, and all of a sudden, all on my own on that Los Angeles freeway. And I would say that for me was the most intense moment in the race when the, the heat was so oppressive, the intensity of Olympic competition. And I was just hanging on, like, just to maintain my pace. And it was, I call it like a tunnel of darkness, right? Where you just, uh, you know, you're going to come out the other side, you know, it's just like you drive a car in a tunnel and you're going to come out the other side. But while you're in that tunnel, you've got to just focus and just, you know, fight through.
1: Running alone along the barren freeway in the final kilometers of the race, Ruger persevered and set her sights on the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, where the runners would complete one lap of the track and cross the finish line.
3: I think what I felt when I saw, and this was kind of a, an interesting part of the race, from far out, you could see the Olympic Stadium. It was visual, but it was quite far away. So that was kind of, you kept your eyes fixed on that goal of getting closer and closer. And so I'll never forget coming down that tunnel leading into the Olympic Stadium and seeing that light at the end of that tunnel, that ramp going down, in and just feeling incredible relief, you know, when I saw that track and we had to do a final lap of the track. And just gratitude, right? Just gratitude for the opportunity, but also for the strength to persevere and finish well.
2: well this is happening live right now. The marathon is over. Joan Benoit... Exulted in victory, but the race continues for others, including Gabriela Anderson Scheiss of Switzerland, who is listing and has been for the last mile. She almost fell in the tunnel. The crowd sensing her presence.
1: In the very first women's marathon at the Olympic Games, 23-year-old Ruger finished eighth, and as the first Canadian, in a time of 2.29.09. We asked Ruger to reflect both on the buried note that started the journey to her Olympic dream and the day that dream was fulfilled.
3: You know, I never forgot that note. And over the years, even as you hear now what I put on the note, you think, well, that didn't happen. Well, that was the powerful thing about that commitment. No, in 1980, I was not ready, but the dream was there and the commitment was there. And so many times, regardless of the setbacks and the disappointments, I'd made a commitment to myself, and I many times thought delay does not mean denial. So it didn't happen in the time frame that I thought it would, but uh, that doesn't mean it isn't going to happen. I still look back on the Olympic race, and I would say it was probably the most difficult race that I've ever run because of the intensity of the competition. It's Just wanting to do well for me, you know, I wasn't running for Sylvia Ruger. I had a Canadian singlet on. And I was so cognizant of that. I was so grateful. It was a privilege to run for Canada and to represent my nation. That was my childhood dream. It's, you know, I just wanted so much to represent well. And so when I crossed the finish line and all the time and finished eight, I was just grateful, really, really grateful for for the training, grateful for the guidance, and also, of course, to represent Canada and finish top 10 in the Olympic Games. But also I was grateful that as women, it brought change. You know, it brought change because it was recognized that this was possible for women to run this distance. And excellence was shown on that day by just so many in that field.
1: And thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Shakeout Podcast. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed listening to this and our other episodes, please leave a review for us on iTunes. We are bringing you this podcast weekly. If you like it and are wondering how you can support us, Please subscribe to Canadian Running Magazine in print or the digital edition. This certainly helps us bring you more great content. And finally, we would like to thank the Ontario Media Development Corporation for their contributions to this podcast. Thanks for listening.